Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Carrie Lake rolls Brett Baer and CNN, Roe insurrections and getting rights right, and the J6 Committee and the FBI assault on America. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I do intend in just a moment to talk about Carrie Lake, who is the GOP candidate for governor in Arizona. She is leading by a landslide. She's up, you know, depending which poll you look at, you know, 12, 15, 20 points ahead of her, uh, the next person in line. And this is where the incumbent can no longer run. So she's, this is a, a huge and important primary. And she has become a force for speaking truth. I'm going to turn to that in one moment. I want to say very quickly at the start of the show today that there is, a, you know, have been so much language out of the American left uh, about the idea that because of these school shootings, uh, which are horrific, uh, that anyone who won't support all the gun control the left wants, those people simply must have, you know, blood on their hands. This is on their hands, on their watch. This really, really... Um, outrageously irresponsible dishonesty about the left blaming people who support the Second Amendment for the fact that some people um, actually do engage in horrific violence and that we have answers, but the left always goes for trying to connect the public's mind, blame Republicans every time some lunatic, often who turns out to be a leftist, uh, engaged in uh, violence. But think about what we just happened. This just came to light today, and I'll talk more about tomorrow on this show. Just came to light today that there was a tractor trailer, an enormous truck that had people in the back of it. This is outside of San Antonio, Texas, had people in the back who were illegal aliens, obviously being smuggled into America by whoever is orchestrating this. We have a, a completely unenforced southern border, despite the best efforts of many conservatives. And the back of that truck, the discovery today, the body count, the death count is now up to 50. 50 people deceased pulled out of the back of this truck where they were being smuggled in as illegal um, aliens and certainly going to fall into some racket the leftists have thought up to send them around the country. My point is, if the left tries to say, left is inaccurate and wrong to say that people who support the Second Amendment are responsible for the deaths of children in public schools because the public schools won't do the responsible thing and harden the schools. But this is really who else is possibly responsible for the death of these illegal aliens except the officials of the Biden, of the Biden administration? They will not enforce the southern border. They are sending a message in every conceivable way. Come on up to America. We let everybody in. It doesn't really matter. We're not going to do anything. Come on in. So you had these, and this truck included children, some of whom survived and were, you know, heavily, heavily dehydrated and otherwise ill, but survived and are in hospitals. When you have deaths of that magnitude, 50 in one truck, 
it is absolutely justifiable to put that at the, at the feet, at the hands of the Biden administration, who not only will not expend the resources and the law enforcement uh, policy to protect our border, but has been sending a message since the Obama era, come on in, America's wide open, we never enforce our border. More on that tomorrow. What I really want to do today is talk about Carrie Lake. And one reason I want to talk about her is she's, you know, she's a very savvy candidate, a former news reporter. So she has, she's used to the way people treat uh, conservatives. She's used to it and she understands uh, how people are, uh, the, the uh, media tries to corner conservatives, uh, make them say things they don't mean. So Carrie Lake had two wonderful recent interactions with media. But in my new quest to try to wrap up the first five with, within the realm of five minutes, I'll say for right now that my very fine friends is today's first five. We're going to continue with Carrie Lake because I really want to talk about, and the reason it matters uh, what she says is that I think America, conservatives in America, are hungering for brave politicians to speak truth. Hungering. They cannot wait to find somebody who will actually speak truth, in this case, about election fraud. So Carrie Lake uh, was being interviewed by Brett Baer of Fox, who is you know, not a conservative. In fact, most people at Fox are not with the exception of Tucker Carlson, maybe a few others. Um, but Carrie Lake was in an interview with, with Brett Baer, and he tried to taunt her about her claim that the Biden administration is illegitimate. So I want to have first play, I have Joe, the very wonderful producer, right here in studio with me in our satellite studio. Um, not in my usual studio uh, in uh, Dallas, but our great satellite studio here. Joe is here. I want to actually ask you to start with, I do want to do a clip two, Joe, if we can play clip two. This is Carrie Lake in this Brett Baer interview, kind of saying what she would do when she's elected governor of Arizona. It's important issue for your state is. We've got a couple of important issues. We have a wide open border. We have fentanyl pouring in. We have the cartels with operational control. But that wouldn't be happening if we would have fair, honest elections. And we had a fraudulent election, a corrupt election, and we have an illegitimate president sitting in the White House. And because of that, our border is wide open. Five and a half tons of fentanyl was confiscated last year, enough to kill over two billion people. It's a weapon of mass destruction. And that's why we're going to secure that border, start Starting on day one, after I take my hand off the Bible, we are going to issue a declaration of invasion. We're going to finish President Trump's wall, and we're going to send our armed National Guard to the border and stop people from coming across. You know, you I've been down there so many times, and people just pour in. And they got yeah, let's cut her off there. What I love about that is Brett Bear. He's just doing his blah 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 questioning. You'll hear more. We have to say in a moment, but. She wasn't even asked the question, do you think there was election fraud? Do you think there was outcome-changing election fraud? What do you think? She just went to it, and she's exactly right. America would not be suffering from every lunatic left-wing policy being inflicted on America if we had called out and stood up against the fraudulent election of 2020, if we would treat this administration as illegitimate because it is, because they didn't win. And she had the uh, just courage and presence of mind to not just answer precisely the question and move on to the next policy issue, but to point out everything we're suffering in America is because we allow this illegitimate election to occur and because we allow the policies that are coming out of this leftist or, uh, administration uh, harm America and we simply don't stand up for America. So there's another piece. There was, this is uh, clip three, uh, Mr. Joe, and this is she went in a little more depth because Brett Baer tried to challenge her and say, now, 
come on, everybody in your party knows. Yeah, it wasn't really fraud. Everyone's admitted that. Why don't you move on? Love how she handled Brett Baer. Go ahead. He is an absolute rhino. Karen Fan even admits there were issues with the election that it can't be certified. And here's what we have. 740,000 ballots that have no chain of custody. They cannot be authenticated and they should not have been counted. 34,000 ballots that were counted two, three and four times. People who moved who still voted in our election. There's a mountain of evidence and I wish that the corporate media would start covering it instead of putting their head in the sand and acting like it didn't happen. We know what happened happened here okay just because we have well, why, a rhino saying just, it didn't I understand happen. I understand what you're saying um, the Attorney General obviously has talked about this at length uh, saying that they instructed US attorneys to pursue any specific credible allegations of substantial fraud and he found none including using very colorful language in his testimony I understand what you're saying but there have been as you know more than 70 court cases uh, where there was not evidence and there was not any state legislature or governor that failed to certify an election including your own Republican Doug Ducey we did not have any court cases where the evidence was presented. We now have evidence that is admissible in a court of law, and I believe the day will come where we have that court case. We have an AG, Mark Brnovich, who has sat on a mountain of evidence and done nothing, including video evidence. We have the true the vote evidence. We have people who do not want to uncover the truth about our election, and it makes me wonder if they're afraid they really didn't win in previous elections. But no worry, because when I'm governor, we're going to get to the bottom of it and you and think we will that, have honest elections and you think and we will that Arizona honesty. citizens voters want to spend a lot of time looking at 2020 instead of looking forward from 2022 and on I'm with them every single day we draw record crowds number one issue because they know every other issue from inflation to the a border being wide open not being able to afford um, gas and and groceries all stems from this corrupt election we want an election day not an election month we want paper ballots and we want to get rid of these electronic voting machines which is why i'm involved in a federal case right now to get them banned here in arizona all we want brett is honest elections for our children and grandchildren we want honest elections for democrats Mm -hmm. independents and republicans we want to know that when we go to bed on election night when we wake up the next day we find out who won before we go to bed and we can live with that but we can't keep having elections that she is a, she's a rock star and again this is brett Baer, who purports to be a conservative or at least on the right side of the aisle you know fox guy and he's very very smug and making the left-wing talking point, as virtually all, many people in mainstream media do, well, all these court cases came along and nobody found any fraud. And you have to have, literally, as Carrie Lake just said, your head in the sand to think that that's true. You, If you listen to my show or many other shows, listen to Bannon, uh, any conservative show that's actually paying attention, the simple fact is the evidence of election fraud has been mounting and mounting and mounting and mounting from the 2000 mules aspect, which was just the mail-in ballot fraud, enormous outcome changing all by itself, compounded with what Dr. Douglas Frank has revealed on this show, or just on again, I think that was last week, explaining all the evidence he's uncovered, explaining how he's actually brought evidence to of election fraud using electronic voting machines to secretaries of state, governors, people around this country in states where fraud occurred and the many elected officials will even admit it to him yeah we, we know our, our system is completely fraudulent and they won't move forward 
And what Brett Baer was trying to say is, do you really think your silly old voters, they really want to have you talking about the past versus the future? People exposing and forcing the broad national understanding of the fact that the 2020 election was stolen, that the American people did not choose this left-wing lunacy that is now running this country. This is vital no matter what happens in terms of Biden staying in office, Biden being removed, whatever happens, it is vital that the American people understand that the election system is hackable, it is not reliable, it is completely vulnerable, and until we make the changes necessary to get to the point of reliable elections, we might as well all stay home and, I don't know, play tennis, you know, shoot baskets, play bridge, watch soap operas, because nothing else we're doing matters if we don't have public understanding of what occurred in 2020, and God bless Carrie Lake for saying so in such feisty and fun terms. She's fabulous. She's going to win that election, hands down, running away, and God bless her. Okay. Before I turn back, so my real next topic, was, I called it Roe Insurrections and Getting Rights Right. Before I get to that, I just want to be sure and welcome again our radio listeners. I'm so grateful that Brightian Radio picked up this show. So grateful that you're, if you're able to listen on radio, I want to be sure you know you're listening to America Can We Talk. My name is Debbie Georgiatis. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. If you're on radio, please know you can always go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and you can watch the show live. You can watch past shows live. You can watch past interviews. You can read our blog posts. You can read our really popular Why It Matters series. You can read so many things on our website. You can sign up for our October 15th summit. We have our third annual Women for Freedom Summit coming up. It's going to be rock star level fun in Dallas on October 15th. Tickets go on sale on July 4th. Uh, last year, we had people from around the country you will love it. Mark your calendar. All of that's available on our website. So for Bright End Radio listeners, two last messages. At the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour, you're going to go off to a three-minute station identification break, whatever it is. Please know the show is going on, and I'll be right there when you come back. So don't go away at the bottom of the hour. Uh, get through that three-minute break and come back and watch the show. And again, toward the end of the show, at 57 minutes past the hour or three minutes out of the next hour, you'll, you're that'll the end of your show with us. But please know I'm doing this show every day, Monday through Thursday, at 3 p.m. Central Time. And I hope you'll tune in on Brighton Radio, online, or watch it later on Rumble or all the other popular social media platforms. Okay, here's this next thing I want to hit. I went on a bit of a riff yesterday about Roe, and I didn't even, uh, Roe versus Wade being reversed by the Dobbs case. I want to hit some other points about this, and, and the reason is because it's so important to get straight what the court did and didn't do, and where we are in America. Really, really important to get this idea. So I want to start with, there is a um, clip and this is a young woman. She actually did this clip, her little video, um, on uh, TikTok. And it's just a short little video, one minute video. And she's, and you'll hear her argument, and then we'll talk about it. But why I'm playing it now, what I want to expound on is among the many damage, uh, kinds of damages that occurred in America from the Roe versus Wade decision was that the Supreme Court implied, created out of thin air of nothing in the Constitution, nothing at all except their own personal policy preferences, they created what they called a constitutional right to an abortion. There is no constitutional right to an abortion. All that the Dobbs case did was say that Roe was incorrect in calling 
access to abortion or getting an abortion a constitutional right. Has never been a constitutional right. That's all they said. They didn't outlaw it. They didn't tell states what to do. It's an issue for state policymakers. That's where we are. But the damage, among many things done by Roe, is that in a generation of people since 1973 have become used to the idea of rights as a, of abortion as a right because the Supreme Court said so. And I ask you to think about it. The Supreme Court said, you know, everybody has a right to free health care. Everybody has a right to adequate housing. Everyone has a right to free education, at college, grad school, whatever you want, that everything you think you need or would like to have, you have a right to it. At some point, people will start to recognize that that's not what rights are. What the Supreme and the Supreme Court cannot create a right by saying the magic words, this is a right. Rights are things that, as the, our founders pointed out in the Declaration of Independence, we have inalienable rights, rights that can't be taken away from us, but these are rights related to freedom. Rights related to our dignity as a person, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, our right to live in freedom. That's what the, our, our country is founded on, is the promise of America. And the Bill of Rights was intended to expound upon that, to spell out those inalienable rights. I'll play this lady's clip. We'll talk about this more. This is some unknown woman uh, who did a little TikTok video on what she thinks is her right. Hi, Mrs. Gynecologist. My name is Olivia. I never want children. I've had this made up in my mind since I was uh, you know, old enough to think of the concept. Can I please have my tubes tied? No. It's permanent. Yeah, I know. That's why I asked. I, I like I like that option. Well, no, you might meet Mr. Wright and change your mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not my plan. It's not my five year plan. It's not my ten year plan. My fifty year plan. I don't want that. Yeah, but you might change your mind and it's permanent. So here's a brochure for an IUD. No, thank you. It has the same efficacy rate. And we put it in your uterus and you bleed and cramp for three months. No. No, thank you. The reason I wanted to play that, what that young lady is arguing is she went, she's 22 years old, she went to her gynecologist or some doctor and asked to have her tubes tied. It's called a tubal ligation. It is a way of making you permanently, as a woman, permanently unable to bear children. She asked the doctor to do that, and the doctor said no. So she has this flippant little cutesy video, and, but there are some really important points arising out of this. This is one of the damages of done by Roe versus Wade. She's got the attitude that because she's decided that she wants to have her tubes tied, She's, her rights have been violated because some doctor she went to said, I don't want to do that. She has no idea what she's talking about. First of all, rights come from the government. Rights come from God. And the idea of America's government is we have inalienable rights given to us by God and the government's there to protect them. She doesn't have a right to get, a tube, uh, to get her tubes tied. She has a, the freedom to do that, and she could perhaps find another doctor. No one in the government is telling her she can't do that. So the entire concept of this being a right is foolish. She doesn't have a right to have her tubes tied. She, has, she can pursue that, and she can find some other doctor. But she doesn't have the right to force a doctor who thinks differently than she does, who doesn't want to tube, tie the tubes of a 22-year-old. 
She doesn't have the right to tell that doctor, you have to do it because I want it. She has the right to perhaps find some other doctor. I'm sure she could. She could go and find a different doctor. But the idea is she's so flabbergasted that someone would dare to tell her, no, you, I, I won't do that for you. And she's mocking the doctor saying, you know, you might find Mr. Wright someday and you might be sorry you did that. And she's, oh, no, no, I'm never finding Mr. Wright. I'm never having children. She may not be ever wanting to have children. She doesn't have to have children. But her concept of she has the right to force some doctor who doesn't want to do that to do the surgery or the treatment that she's requesting is, is a not just misplaced, but a silly level ignorance about the concept of rights. She doesn't have a right to have to force some doctor to do that. And so long as the government is not prohibiting a doctor from doing, uh, is making, not making a law saying that doctors can't do uh, tie tubes for 22-year-olds, this is not a rights issue at all. It's just a complaint about some doctor. But on the deeper point of rights, the reason it matters so much to get this concept straight is because part of what leftists do in trying to sell their uh, lunacy, socialism, communism, Marxism, that is in the presently, as we sit talking, taking down America, is that leftists argue that they are able, that, that what you want, what you need, what they, you think you should have in your life, adequate housing, health care, um, education, uh, access to the medicines of your choice, they talk about those things as rights. They are and they're not rights. They're not rights. Rights are things that don't cost money. Freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, right to have adequate counsel, right to have a jury of your peers, right to the Second Amendment, right to, you know, right to keep and um, bear arms. These are things, and they were very consciously spelled out. But if anyone tells you they have a right to something that costs money, what they're telling you is they have the right to enslave their fellow citizens. Please think about this. If I said, I have a right to the health care of my choice, but I don't have any money, so I want the government to pay for it. I mean, I have a right, if this is the argument, I have a right to this health care, and I can't afford it, so the government must pay for it. Who's paying for it? The government, for the thousandth time, has no money. The government never has any money. They do not have a capacity to earn money. They're just a collection of individuals elected or hired to work in our government. The only money the government has ever had to spend on anything comes from the forcible taxation, the forcible taking away of income earned by individuals and corporations. The government would have money to do anything only has money to do anything because they take it away from people who worked to earn it. Now, we have to have taxation. We have to have a military. We have to have enforced borders, which we don't. We, there are many legitimate functions of government, and for those legitimate functions, they tax citizens. And, and they have fines. They sometimes raise money through imposing fines, and they tax corporations and other forms of business entities. So the government takes in money from private citizens who earned it. But if your argument to start with is, I have a right to free health care, you're saying, I have a right to force other American citizens to work hard, and then as the government confiscate their money and give it to me so I can have what I want. Anything that costs money is not a right. It's not a right. We have an obligation. You have a personal responsibility. And we, as a Judeo-Christian society, we love our neighbors as ourselves. We want to help people. We may create programs to help people who are in need, but you don't have a right 
to force the, the rest of society. You don't have a right to force them to pay for what you want. And it's, it was, it's really important because this concept of rights, I mean, this is a different argument than as it relates to abortion, but as to other things that Bernie Sanders and his fellow communists are arguing about, Americans have a right to, and he, it was a law, he used to play it during the campaign when he was still a quasi-viable candidate for president, Bernie Sanders, I used to play the clip where he just ranted and raved about all the rights that people, that, you know, people have. It's like everything you ever needed you have a right to demand government gives it to you. This is Bernie Sanders' mindset. So if government's giving you the money, government has the money by taking away the money from other people who worked hard to earn it, people and corporations. That's where government gets money. And it also acquires power over your life. If you think you cannot survive and function, if your very life is dependent every single day on what the government does or does not give you, then you are enslaved by you are submissive to, you're subservient to the government. And this is what the left has tried to do for generations. It's why they created the Great Society. It's why they created the poverty programs. Not to help people, but to cause the American people to become dependent and submissive. To grow the dependency class. To grow the group of people who are dependent on the government. Because once you're dependent on the government, you are enslaved by the government. You are controlled by the government. You have to vote. Keep voting for the people who keep giving you free things. It is a way the government acquires dependency, acquires power, acquires also the excuse to continue to have to tax more. Because look at all these people now who want free education, free healthcare, and free housing, and free medications, and free everything they ever needed in life. If the government has promised that and got a, you know, a swath of millions of Americans thinking that's government's job, the government is justifying and taking away more and more and more of the capital, the freedom you have, which you have from the money you've earned. There is a dark, sinister, ugly, left-wing agenda behind every promise of free things. You've got to understand this. Every promise of free things, you have a right to anything. There's a dark, sinister agenda and outcome which comes from the left saying, wow, now I have them. Now they can't, they have lost any concept of self-reliance. They've lost a sense of being independent, self-sufficient. All they can do is wait for the next handout, very similar to slavery. And I, I really think that's important to understand to, to begin to push back against all this concept the left is pushing and continues to push under the uh, Biden Socialist Administration, Marxist Administration, promising more handouts, more money, more programs. They're now sending money uh, to people who can't afford gas. They have a voucher program, or they're still cooking that one up, I think, but a voucher program. Everything you need but can't afford, they take care of you. All that happens to you is you become dependent and, in fact, enslaved to the government, and this is exactly the point. But moving on from that, the other um, kind of uh, thing I want to mention that kind of flowed from Roe, uh, the reversal of Roe by the Dobbs court, um, it, it, the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court, is this idea that, you know, we've been listening to the left ramble away about insurrection, and insurrection happened, and January 6th was an insurrection, and it was a really terrible thing, and this is the uh, justifying the January 6th committee, justifying their, their ongoing relentless agitation against Trump. And, and again, the January 6th committee is not in the slightest dedicated to trying to get to the truth of what happened on January 6th. They are not doing that. That is just their, their excuse. That is just their cover. 
they are providing, the January 6th committee, is providing every vehicle they can think of to make it impossible for President Trump to run again, for Trump supporters to want him to run again, to stand behind him, and for people to feel comfortable to stand up and speak up for what they believe in in this country. The message of January 6th committee is do not even think, do not even think about talking about election fraud. Do not even think of challenging the legitimacy of the left-wing power that has now seized control of your country. But what's really interesting, I was going to point out a very quick thing, was how this whole insurrection concept, which the Democrats, they had it ready to go day of January 6th, after the uh, the uh, protests that got slightly out of control in Congress um, on January 6th, they were ready with the insurrection rollout. We went through that months ago on the show, how all these people on the same day all said, oh my gosh, January 6th, you know, we, we had an insurrection. And they had it ready to roll. It was a planned outrolling of that concept of calling it an insurrection. But an insurrection, you just don't, you can't make it into an insurrection by calling it that. And I think it's really important to look at right now after Roe and the whole thing with uh, the Dobbs case, what the left is saying about our structure of government, what the leftists in this country are saying um, about what the um, the Dobbs decision did. And I'm going to quick go. We have a clip by, um, this is a clip of uh, Pocahontas, uh, U.S. Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, who is spitting mad that the Supreme Court, through Dobbs, stated the undeniable truth that the Constitution doesn't create a right to abortion. That's all the court did in Dobbs. That they, they, they clarified, for those of you who didn't realize that the court just made it up, there's no constitutional right to abortion. But listen how close to, that you can start to hear Senator Warren sound like kind of advocating insurrection, not paying attention to the court. Here she is. Now, look, I understand that uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, for example, I don't know what he said to Senator Collins. I wasn't in the room. But I do know this, that the Republicans have been very overt about trying to get people through the court who didn't have a published record on Roe, but who they knew, wink, wink, nod, nod, were going to be extremists on the issue of Roe versus Wade. And that is exactly what we have ended up with. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. You hear what she's so angry about is she's decided that despite, and she's a lawyer, by the way, and she doesn't show very often, but she's, you know, she's not, she is a lawyer, she's educated. She understands, like every kid learned in law school since time began, I mean, since 1973, that, you know, Roe versus Wade was a policy decision by the justices of the Supreme Court that the best way to get over this issue that's so tender and so, so uh, controversial was just to make it a right. No one's actually arguing that the Constitution provides the right. And people have been aware of this. And they, in fact, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg hinted at this idea. Not really a right. So we had the court make it up because that was the best policy solution, they thought. And so they just said, okay, we magically say that, you know, there's a right to an abortion. And they could magically say, for example, there's a right for everyone who manages to break into America, to cross America's border. If you get inside the border, you have a right to become a citizen. 
I mean, I think even some leftists would say, well, wait a minute. I mean, a lot of leftists would say yes, because they're cheering on this whole invasion of America through abandoning the border. But a lot of people would say, wait a minute, there's a right to become a citizen if you broke into the country. But the Supreme Court could just say it. They could just say it. And then, therefore, it, it would be made so. And there are other people. And so she's talking about the court is illegitimate because they made a decision she doesn't like. And she's complaining that she's alluding to her argument that the people who uh, were in the majority on the case, on Dobbs, uh, somehow misled the United States Senate. And it couldn't be further from the truth, and she knows that. What is, as I mentioned yesterday, is important to understand, the United States senators understand as they are doing the nomination process, they're examining people who've been nominated for the Supreme Court, and they have the right to question them, the Senate Judiciary Committee and the full Senate, they understand that it, you can't ask, and it won't matter if you do ask. The senators are not going to get any Supreme Court justice nominee to say, oh, if this case arises, if this issue arises, here's how I will vote. And you hear many of the people during their hearing, uh, their uh, nomination trial, nomination um, process at the Senate, saying, well, I, I can't, you know, I can't speculate. I don't know what the facts will be. I don't know. She's kind of, well, she is accusing them, the, the conservatives, uh, more broadly, of surreptitiously getting people on the court who would um, reverse Roe versus Wade and who didn't have a record sufficient for the senators to review and decide, you know, um, whether we want to approve this person or not. I mean, she, she's complaining that had there been a more adequate record, perhaps, you know, they would have been able to stop some nomination. Uh, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that back when Roe versus Wade was decided, which again, cooked up out of nothing, I'm pretty sure that none of those justices who voted to create a non-existent constitutional right uh, forthcomingly said in their Senate hearing when they were being reviewed for their possible elevation to the Supreme Court, oh yeah, when I get there, I'm going to make up something about, you know, rights. I'm going to find a right to an abortion. None of them admitted that. None of the, and and there were, this was plenty of people on the left who thought that way. This concept of, you know, the only way, in fact, is been observed quite often, the way le the left gets many things they want in this country is to get a court to decide it because they can't actually sell to the public a majority position that they, that, to which they you know, adhere what they want people to think. So make a court, just make it so. I don't think she complained about that. And the idea that the people who uh, issued Roe versus Wade back in 1973, well, they never told the Senate during their hearings, oh, yeah, I'm going to find a right to an abortion. They just did it. They just did it because it was a policy that they knew the left wanted and that many of them apparently believed in. But she's, you know, she's ranting and raving, but she's really, I want to get the point of this insurrection idea. She's really, uh, Senator Warren's making the point that we don't have to put up with this court following the law. We don't have to put up with this court who actually looked at the Constitution, understood what it said, and then, and then applied the law. We don't have to do that. I mean, she's just, she's saying, we're going to somehow overturn this. They don't get to make, they don't get to make decisions based on the Constitution. And to be really clear, they didn't, the Supreme Court, again, the Dobbs case, reversing Roe versus Wade, did not outlaw abortion. It did not even, it didn't even make an opinion as to what abortion law should say. It basically said, as many people have alluded to for decades, 
that it, it's a policy question like many other tough policy, policy questions. I do want to make this, you know, this concept, though, about who's really engaged in insurrection. Uh, the DNC chair, the, the Democrat National Committee chair named Jamie Harrison, uh, had a statement out, tweet out almost right away, um, saying he's overwhelmed with anger and pain. He called the Supreme Court illegitimate, um, filled with political extremists. They struck a blow to American freedom. I mean, he's really, really attacking very directly the legitimacy and the power of the Supreme Court. I mean, if you're going to be a, if, if the leftists can do this to American citizens and to Donald Trump and everybody else uh, that you committed an insurrection because you're challenging our legitimacy, uh, you know, then, then can, so can the conservatives. So this DNC guy is actually saying this in a very, very, um, very harsh, angry way. And the other one, other example that came up, I'm just, I'm getting at the point. My point is that the left uses the term insurrection when all they really mean was there were a lot of people in Washington January 6th who were fully aware of the election fraud, the scope of the election fraud, um, even as of January 6th, we have been uncovered, that they were aware that this is not a legitimate election. And so the January 6th you know, event occurred, and then shortly after that, the January 6th committee goes to task. We're going to turn to them next and talk about what they've been doing, which is beyond outrageous, but, and what the FBI and DOJ have been doing. But the January 6th committee took that episode of January 6th, instantly labeled an insurrection, and have had their willing allies and slaves in the mainstream media continue using the unjustified use of the word insurrection, continue doing that. And it's not an insurrection. Yeah, there are people who are saying there, I want this uh, meeting in Congress running, being run by uh, Vice, then Vice President Pence um, to send some cases back, some states back when the states are saying we're really, really not sure about our electoral college outcome. But one other thing on the subject of insurrection, very, very interesting. So Senator Josh Hawley, one of the great bright minds in the uh, United States Senate, um, he was talking about the, a statement made by the Health and Human Services, HHS, uh, HHS Secretary Xavier Bacara. Uh, he made a statement, he was in a Saturday interview um, at a place uh, called Aspen Ideas. And he was asked by an NBC reporter, Kate Snow, what he's doing to concretely help women in response to the Dobbs decision. And he made the allusion to the idea uh, that he was going to help women transport women who are, uh, end up living in states where abortion is not legal and transport them using federal government tax dollars to other states where abortion is permissible. And this, uh, and so, the reporter even said, is that legal? I mean, because the reporter recognized it's not legal. You, you know, you got the Hyde Amendment. You can't just use federal tax dollars to aid and abet abortion. And so he just laughed in response to her question. I'm not going to play that clip, but Josh Hawley rightfully called it out and said, no, this is what the law is. You can't use federal dollars to aid and abet abortion, uh, the Hyde Amendment. And that's what you're trying to do if you're going to say we're going to somehow use federal tax dollars to move women around. Um, I want to go back before I do, I'm get to my last topic today, which I just cannot wait to do, uh, about January 6th, the DOJ and the FBI. But one other, we'll probably be talking about the Dobbs decision and the Roe versus Wade decision um, and the Dobbs reversal of it, you know, for a long time in this country. And I want to make really clear, the rhetoric out of the screaming, angry left where they're now, you know, beating people up in the streets. They've already had physical assaults on by uh, pro Roe versus Wade people on defenders of life, on people who 
are happy that Roe versus Wade was um, overturned. You've already had physical assaults by the uh, Roe versus Wade supporters. Uh, you've already had threats of violence. You've already had the uh, people showing up at the homes of the United States Supreme Court justices, even though it is spelled out in federal law that that is impermissible and illegal and the DOJ will do nothing about it. You've already had all of that. And so it's important to recognize that if you want to be effective in defending the reversal of Roe versus Wade, you have to do the things that I've been doing in the show that you're going to, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of boring intellectual. You have to help people understand what rights are and that constitutionally speaking, the Dobbs decision is irrefutable. I mean, it's just a clear restatement of what the Constitution says. It's not a matter of question. It's a two plus two is four. The Constitution does not provide a right to an abortion. And the issue is going to end up back in the state courts, but it's really, really, state legislatures. It's really going to be important for people to spread the understanding of what a right is, spread the understanding that the court did not outlaw abortion, and also to, and I just can't urge this strongly enough, in having the discussions that will be coming up in the months and years ahead, it's really important to try to speak with a tone of sensitivity, of concern, and of being able to convey that we understand that there are women, young girls and, and women of all ages who are in, find themselves in a situation of an unwanted pregnancy, many of whom probably could have used better control with birth control, but whatever, some of them didn't even have an option. There are people who do end up in unintended, uh, unplanned pregnancies who are deeply frightened. And our capacity to speak in a tone of love, concern, respect, desire to help, desire to provide help. This is so much more important than just blasting and celebrating and shooting off fireworks that Roe versus Wade was reversed. If we want to have the path forward now, it's going to be coming out of the various state legislatures, and there will be differences in what the states say. And there will be people who think they don't feel safe in some state because it doesn't permit abortions, and they might think they want to have one someday. I mean, just a wide range of, of people coming to the table on this issue. And the thoughtful voices on the side of people who love life, who respect life, who appreciate life, uh, the thoughtful voices that are tender, thoughtful, helpful, encouraging, and that, and that extend that message to women facing unwanted pregnancy. We want to try to help you. We want to try to help your baby. We'll help you work out an adoption if that is your choice. We'll help you learn how you, what you can do if you want to go through and then try to keep the baby. We can send messages of love and support far more effective than the kind of angry vitriol that's spewing out of the uh, pro- Roe versus Wade, really pro-abortion left. Uh, there is a, a vital need for us to think of this, all of us, as this is a national political conversation, including men and women of every age and of every background, men and women coming together trying to solve an issue that has a, a very, very high um, sensitivity to it, a high controver controversial element to it. Um, it has, for many people, a, a strong religious component. But it's really important for us to be able to talk those in those ways uh, that convey those tones. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, we're just, there's one reason people liked having Roe versus Wade in place, not the people who support life, but the, is that it was kind of a settled issue that you could point to Roe and say, well, that's what it is. The court has decided, well, now there's no such thing. There's no such settled case. So it's going to be more conversation, more um, 
um, not just negotiation, but more need for listening, more need for conversing, more need to try and, and you know, in the very, uh, very, 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 very rare cases of, you know, truly, um, you know, victim women who are victims of incest um, or rape and who uh, compound that with health conditions and compound that with uh, news that they are carrying a child who is not going to survive. I mean, there, there are cases where the, the facts are so horrific that I think there is a... Um, a call on people to try to remember how deeply frightened people are and how alarming the situation is, and that those of us who can speak in responsible and, and thoughtful and loving and supportive ways will do far more for our country in trying to get through this national political conversation, or it be statewide political conversation, uh, than any of the vitriol and spewing and denouncement that seems to be coming from the left and uh, from a few on the right. Uh, tough issue, uh, long road ahead. I do want to hit, though, um, this is actually, you know, this story, I was chomping at the bit to talk about this um, yesterday, and uh, we didn't get to it. And I, want, I, I called it uh, the January 6th Commission and the FBI Assault on America. I just want you to, you know, so January 6th Commission, you know, they, it's a, you know, made by Democrats, filled with Democrats. The two people who still cling to an R by their name are Democrats, and they are now desperate Democrats because they, they have no chance of being reelected as Republicans that they ran as. Um, these people are, you know, they're, they're just, they have signed on to the idea that they are going to somehow bring out the magical evidence that's going to prove to America that this was a Trump-orchestrated uh, insurrection, and, and the fact is the evidence is not there. In fact, um, Adam Schiffless acknowledged this recently. Yeah, there's actually really not, uh, there's not evidence. It's not going to happen. Um, but they're trying very hard um, to push it as far as they can. And I want to mention some points. I think I, I want, I always picture people listen to my show um, as you're pretty darn um, engaged and you talk to people and you share ideas. So I want to share some things that I think are the left is trying to make into the uh, be-all and end-all on this issue right now. And, and we really need to be ready to respond to it. Um, one is this idea um, that Trump should be vilified or criticized because he, the evidence is now coming out, uh, he tried to get Department of Justice officials to probe the 2020 vote fraud claims. So you probably saw there's a, there's another hearing today, a new hearing. A J6 Commission announced a new hearing today, uh, and they're interviewing. They call before the committee uh, this woman who worked in the White House. I think she worked under for Mark Meadows, uh, but they called her in, and she, the testimony today is entirely about her. Um, and she's basically going to be talking about her, um, what she over, says she overheard in the White House, um, and and it's designed in part. Um, to spread the idea that this was a Trump orchestrated, you know, effort essentially um, to uh, take down America, um, blah blah blah. So one of the arguments she is making, this woman who's testifying today, I thought I had her name right here, but I don't. But anyway, the woman who's testifying today, she's making the point that while she was in the White House, um, that she became aware, and others also became aware that the Trump, that Donald Trump personally reached out to the Department of Justice officials to urge them to probe the 2020 vote fraud claims. And he pushed them hard. He called back and said, again, aren't you going to do this? And they did not want to do it. So this is in between, you know, the election was November 3rd and January 20th, the, the you know, swearing of Biden hasn't happened. So these conversations are happening in that period. And the, the, the January 6th Commission, Committee is trying to make it uh, evidence of Trump's, you know, uh, in, intentional proof of he was intending an insurrection, intending to take down America. 
uh, and to force uh, the election reversal because he kept urging the Department of Justice to look into the, the uh, election fraud claims. And I want to tell you, that is the most idiotic, silly, stupid, ridiculous argument. And I want to tell you why. It all, you, you, would, you would think that there was any reason at all to criticize Trump for encouraging and pushing the DOJ to look into election fraud claims. The only reason the J6 committee can even make the argument that this is uh, proof of fraud or proof of something bad is because they've already concluded with absolute certainty, no more discussion, that there was no election fraud, or at least that there was no outcome-changing election fraud. Once the January 6th committee, whether they actually believe it or they just see it as their only ticket forward, they have to get people to believe it, so they keep saying it. But if you're from their point of view and you are trying to say there's absolute certainty there was no election fraud, then Trump urging the DOJ to look into election fraud, yeah, that would be a bad thing. But if you're Trump, who's been informed by many high-level, well-informed people, Sidney Powell, Patrick Byrne, uh, Rudy Giuliani, others looking into election fraud, presenting him evidence, showing him evidence of all kinds, I've been learning more recently about what he learned in that time period, of course he's asking the DOJ to look into it. I mean, it'd be idiotic for him not to ask the DOJ. And the idea that the J6 committee is trying to say to America, see, see, Trump was asking him to look into it. Of course he was. That's not evidence of anything like wrongdoing. And so some of the people who were inside the DOJ who didn't agree with him, and frankly, were probably more of the people who are the holdover types who never liked Trump anyway and were just waiting out his presidency. Uh, they're now complaining Trump was pestering us. And like little freaking girls, I'm sorry. Grow up. Of course, the president, the commander in chief, who believed there was election fraud, of course, he's pushing you. But this is one of the arguments the left is trying to make, including this woman uh, who's coming to testify today, uh, who's a um, printout I apparently didn't bring, but the woman who's coming to uh, testify today before the January 6th committee was in the White House. And she's saying, yeah, yeah, you know, Trump kept uh, talking about that as though, um, uh, as though that, you know, that. This is to be proved that he did something wrong. I also want to mention there is a lot of talk about several Republicans who had spoken very, very firmly uh, or had spoken up uh, persistently at the time, the time between November 3rd and January 20th before Trump takes office, uh, talking, had been standing up for Trump, agreeing it was election fraud, agreeing there had to be an investigation. And now one effort of the J6 committee is to try to make these people look bad, these three or four Republican Congress members, because they went to Trump to ask for a pardon before he left office. And again, they're arguing this is see, proof of wrongdoing. See, 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 it's not proof of anything wrong, except it's proof that they all could figure out, they could see what was coming, that once Biden took office and the Democrats are in control, you know, they were going to unleash hell on Trump and anyone who supported him, which is exactly what they did, which is exactly what these members of Congress could see was going to happen, which is exactly why they were talking to Trump and saying, hey, you know what, please help us out now, give us a pardon now. I also want to draw the contrast. Do you realize all the stuff you've read, I'm going to talk in a minute about just run through a spate of cases where the DOJ, having joined this witch hunt, the DOJ and FBI having joined this, J this J6 commission um, witch hunt against Trump, have been breaking down doors, showing people's houses, uh, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, using the battering ram, in the case of a, of a couple who lived in Texas, throwing flashbangs around their house. This is like military equipment. And all of this FBI conduct, 
going after people who supported Trump, who worked for Trump, I want you to think about the fact that after everything we all know that Hunter Biden actually did, what you know from you've read about was on his laptop, the corruption to, you know, to, to the hilt on the part of Hunter Biden and his dad. And there's been no FBI raid on Hunter Biden. Not at all. No FBI raid, no breaking down the door, no scaring the daylights out of him. Understand the FBI appears to be acting in a highly, highly political, partisan manner, akin to how you have third world dictators act and trying to take down their, uh, their political opponents. So you have FBI raiding people that their administration doesn't like, and they can't seem to find the time or the interest or the justification to go after Hunter Biden, break down his door, uh, Michael Sussman, who, you know, got a, a phony fake trial and got acquitted. But, but look with who they are going after. Why don't you just to think of some of these? Because people, it's getting scary out there. It's getting scary for people who ever decided I'm going to support Donald Trump because I believe in his policies or because I believe the election was stolen. And so people who went to Washington, here's just one example, a retired couple in Texas. So they're old enough to be retired. They live on a ranch in a rural area and the FBI showed up at their house on June 22nd, broke down their gate through flashbangs, which you use in military combat to overwhelm people when you're going to grab them, handcuff them, trained lasers on them before searching their home for evidence connected to January 6th. Now, this couple was in Washington on January 6th, never entered the Capitol. But they're in Washington. This is, this is still happening. We're in June of 2022, and you have the January 6th episode happen and January 6th of 2021, and you still have the FBI and what seems almost like a coordinated attack going around the country. And so they go after this Texas couple. They had a picture of some guy who looked marginally like the guy in this couple. And the FBI is in his face waving this picture. Isn't this you? You pushed a police officer. He's like, that's not me. And so they, they absconded with their electronics, which is their new trick to do, take all your electronics away, abscond with their electronics and a, a hat the guy may have had on. And the guy, you know, he's, and, and there were helicopters overhead, I mean, drones overhead. They acted like they're, they're going after, you know, Osama bin Laden and some retired couple in Texas who never got in the Capitol. This is intentionally abusive assault behavior on the part of the FBI toward American citizens. Similar one, Jeffrey Clark, I've been in touch with somebody related to his work. I want to get him on the show. Former assistant attorney uh, with the DOJ, Jeffrey Clark, uh, was a supporter of Trump, uh, agreed with Trump's allegations of election fraud, or at least that it should be investigated. He all, he all of a sudden had, uh, in the last week, loud banging outside his door, uh, quickly figure agents were there. He asked them for the courtesy to put some pants on, was told no, swept the house, forced to stand outside, 12 agents, two police officers, Fair, uh, Fairfax County police uh, officers searched his house more than three hours. This is for an attorney who worked at the DOJ who agreed with Trump. And they took all of his electronics, and the friend I'm talking to who knows him, I was saying, I love getting him on my show. He's like, well, he's got to worry about his attorneys right now and follow that, whatever they're saying to do. But he has no electronic devices because the FBI took them all. 
And all he did was work for the DOJ and say, yeah, I think we had outcome changing election fraud. Um, Trump election attorney, John Eastman, a well-respected attorney, uh, exiting a restaurant with his wife, I think in New Mexico, I forget where they are. Yeah, New Mexico, uh, literally walking out of a restaurant, FBI comes up, strong arms him, and seizes his phone. You can see a video on it, but it's not worth it. Um, and so, oh, here's the person, Mark Meadows. Okay, here's the person I wanted to mention who's testifying today. Cassidy Hutchinson, uh, a woman who worked with Meadows in the White House, and she's apparently going to say, oh, was, this is why they called a special hearing today. So she can come and say, you know, Trump was pestering people in the DOJ to say that they thought, you know, that he wanted them to investigate election fraud. Of course he was. Um, and so the January 6th committee has engaged in pretty much no efforts to go after what we now know, you know, the Hillary Clinton entirely cooked up Trump-Russia collusion hoax. No one's breaking down Hillary's door. No one's breaking down the DNC's door. No one's breaking down Perky Cohen's door, Perkins Cooey door. No one's breaking down Fusion GPS. All these players whose fraud is known, the FBI can't think of anything to do about that. But these people who showed up in Washington and in most cases did nothing wrong, they they are the ones who are going to receive the brunt. And there are many more things the FBI, um, the, um, this committee should be looking into, but we're out of time. I'm quickly going to say to our Bradian Radio listeners, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. Check in there for every show, every day. Talk to you next time. For everybody else listening, I have more to say, but as usual, I ran out of time. So I will do as I do at the close of every show, tell you, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today uh, talking about the uh, Carrie Lake Rolls Bear and the C and CNN too while, you know, <laughs> while she was at it. Arizona Governor candidate Carrie Lake taking on national prominence, former TV newscaster unintimidated by agenda-driven gotcha journalism. Fox News Brett Baer attempted a gotcha interview, smacked down big time by Lake. Interview has gone viral. Clip with Lake's put down CNN reporter, also viral. I didn't get to play that one, but it was very funny too. She wasn't giving her the time of day. Uh, Lake spoke boldly about election fraud in Arizona with abundant evidence, quote, proof, directly confronted a Bear Fox for refusal to address election fraud. Viral interviews come and go, but Bear Lake likely to have lasting and growing impact. Lake is leading her race for governor by somewhere between 12 and 20 points or 15 and 20 points. In recent polling, she's a force. Irrefutable election fraud evidence is piling up in Arizona, and Arizonans know it. Lake's words capture national mood and demand for truth about 2020 election. And on row insurrections and getting our rights right, Roe decision fostered nearly 50 years of confusion about rights. Rights in America are understood as God-given in the Bill of Rights to be protected by government. No one has a right to force someone else to do something for you. That's called slavery. There was never any right to abortion in the Constitution. SCOTUS in Roe just made it up. Yet leftists urged defiance of SCOTUS, which sounds like a true insurrection against American government. Example for understanding rights, women complaining about a doctor's refusal to do a tubal ligation surgery as a violation of her rights, uh, and it's not. There is no constitutional right to surgery, just as there's no right to abortion. There's no right to force a doctor to perform any surgery or procedure. In America, the free solution to one doctor's refusal to do a legal procedure, find another doctor. Overturning Roe on grounds stated by SCOTUS is a right step to return to constitutional governance of the Republic and the J6 Committee and FBI Assault on America. The J6 Committee witch hunt show 
trial is still ongoing, no hallmarks of due process or a fair trial, but instead a single purpose, how can we get Trump mentality? J6 committee makes a mockery of American justice with FBI and DOJ now joining in the abuse, bust and seizure of all electronics of former DOJ official Jeffrey Clark appears purely political. Taking a phone of the constitutional attorney John Eastman, blatantly abusive of due process, <clears throat> excuse me, of legal process. Home of a Texas couple who never entered the Capitol, flashbanged and searched. Death of former Senator, oh, I didn't even get to this, Senator Sergeant Arms, Michael Stanger, sad and maybe suspect. Why never any FBI DOJs of Hunter, uh, DOJ raids of Hunter Biden or Michael Sussman or even Hillary Clinton for that matter? Americans are increasingly alarmed by actions of the state, loyalty to the Constitution, to equal justice and to blind, neutral and non-political law enforcement. All appear lacking. More elected officials need to stand up and speak up against this trend toward tyranny. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you